Good morning. Hopefully you're all doing well today. Hopefully you've recovered from all of that uh, tryptophan on Thanksgiving. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here uh, and, and be able to open God's Word with you. I, I love every opportunity that I have. I'm thankful for Pastor Matt again allowing me to do this. Um, as we open, uh, when I was growing up with my brother John, there was something we looked forward to every month. And the thing that we looked forward to was getting a copy that month's edition of Highlights Magazine. Anybody remember Highlights? It was all about that life, right? The uh, picture find, obviously that was the thing you did first, right? And whoever got it first, my brother or I, we always did it and circled them and ruined it for the other one. Um, but I love that. And one of, the, one of my, our favorite parts of Highlights Magazine was Goofus and Gallant. Anybody remember Goofus and Gallant? Now, it's funny, uh, you should Google it sometime to look at Goofus and Gallant through the years. Because it's changed a lot from like the 50s to today. Even their pictures have changed. But the basic premise is that a Goofus... This character acts in a certain way that is not good. And then you have Gallant, right? Gallant, who does the opposite of Goofus, who behaves in the correct way. I want to read for you some examples. I tried to find some to put up on the PowerPoint, but yeah, I couldn't figure out how to format it. And So I'm just going to read it to you, all right? Here we go. Goofus says, let's change the rules. Gallant says, let's stick to the rules. That's good. Playmates don't stay long with Goofus. Gallant's playmates stay a long while. He's a nice guy. I won't let them play with my car, says Goofus. They'll help me play with my toys, says Gallant. Gallant knows how to share, right? I even found one. I got to read, read you these. These are like uh, out in the... In, these are for all of you hunters and fishermen, outdoorsmen... Here, all right, listen to this. I couldn't believe this. This is hilarious. Goofus drinks from the creek. <laughs> That's what it says. Gallant finds fresh, good drinking water. It's important. Don't want to drink from the creek. Goofus stands in the rowboat. Not good. Gallant keeps low in the canoe. And the last one, here we go. Goofus throws a small fish in the bushes. Gallant gently returns a small fish to the water. It's good, right? Now, as I said before, my brother and I, we used to love highlights. We used to love Goofus and Gallant. But I want to use that as a challenge for you today. Because today our passage in Ephesians 5 is about walking in wisdom. Walking in wisdom. And obviously, Goofus doesn't display much wisdom while Gallant does. And so my question for you today is, when it comes to wisdom, are you a goofus or a Gallant? And what we're going to see in our passage this morning is we're going to see three contrasts between living unwisely and living wisely. Three contrasts. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start reading verse 15. We're going to read down to verse 21, Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. And again, the title of our passage, the title of our sermon this morning is Walking in Wisdom. And as we read these verses, I want you to pay attention and see the contrast. There are three of them that we're going to uh, dig into this morning. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, I'll be reading from the NIV. Here's what it says. 
Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so again this morning, we're going to see three contrasts between living unwisely and living wisely. And ultimately, I want to start with a definition of wisdom. Now, if you were to um, look up different commentators and their definitions of wisdom, you're going to find, if you look up 20, you're going to find 20 different definitions. That's just how it is. I'm going to give you mine for what it's worth. Feel free to write it down if you would like to. But I believe that wisdom, as the Bible presents it, is skillful living... In light of God's truth, wisdom is skillful living in light of God's truth. There is skill involved when knowing what choice to make, what path to choose. And ultimately, wisdom, we know from Proverbs, Proverbs 9.10 and other verses in Proverbs, that it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom starts with God. It ends with God. And so wisdom is skillful living in light of God's truth. Let's look at the first contrast. The first contrast, let's look again at verse 15 and 16. First contrast is utilizing versus wasting. Utilizing versus wasting. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. I love verse 16. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Walking wisely means that you utilize every opportunity that God gives you to live for him, to please him. Again, it's skillful living in light of God's truth. And so every day, every hour, every moment, you and I find ourselves with choices that we can make. With opportunities that God has placed in our path. And the question is, are we going to utilize those opportunities or are we going to waste them? I'm going to share with you a story. I want, I, I, and I'd love to know how many of you can echo these sentiments. So we were on a missions trip uh, my senior year with our National Honor Society, and we went to New York City. Um, and we stayed at a church in the Bronx, and we did some um, street evangelism. We, did, we learned the chord things, which were really cool, and we did that on the ferry to, to Ellis Island. It was, pr- it was a pretty cool trip. And we're sitting in Central Park, and at least a small section of it, obviously, and there was... There were these people, these young people who were sitting off to the side just kind of hanging out, not really doing anything. And again, the purpose for us being there is to tell our people about Jesus, right? That's the whole reason why we're there. It's not like I'm just going about my ordinary day, but we're there for that purpose. 
And I felt the spirit, maybe you felt this, I felt this tug, this compulsion. I need to go talk to those people. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt that? Ever been in a situation where it's like, man, I know I should like get up and I should walk over and talk to that person. Or I know I should check in on my neighbor who's outside doing something. Or I know I should, whatever it happens to be, talk to the person who's waiting in line behind me at the, at the store, whatever. Has anybody felt that? Felt that compulsion, that, that God-given desire to do something? Have any of you ignored that? I've ignored that. So here's what happened. So I'm in Central Park, and there's these young people, and I'm thinking, man, you know, I know God wants me to talk to those people. And I didn't. And so I just kind of, from a distance, I just kind of looked at them, and then I went about my way, and I, started, I was passing out tracks and talking to other people. And I'll be honest with you, I have no idea why I didn't talk to them. It was an opportunity that God gave me to talk to those individuals, and I wasted it. I wasted it. That was a pretty goofus thing to do. I wasted it. And so the question that Paul puts for us here is, are you going to waste that opportunity? Notice what he says. I love what he says. He says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What he's challenging us with is we need to have a sense of urgency that even more so we should be aware of what's going on around us. Even more so, our senses should be heightened toward the opportunities that God is bringing into our lives. I should be going about wherever I'm at in every situation. I ought to be thinking, okay, is God giving me an opportunity here? I need to have a sense of urgency. I need to utilize the opportunities that God has given me. That's a hard thing to do. The great thing about this passage is that Paul's going to, as he walks us through it, eventually we get to a place where it becomes easy to utilize these opportunities. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. He makes it easy for us to utilize these opportunities. But my question for you today is, what opportunities is God giving you? What opportunities, what opportunities, what people is he placing in your life that you know, man, I need to go have a conversation with that person. I need to check in with that individual. Maybe it's a family member, a coworker. What's the conversation that you need to have this week? Just say, hey, how are you? How can I be praying for you? What opportunities is God putting in your path? And are you sensitive to those to the point where you can utilize them? You can take advantage of every opportunity that God gives you. Contrast number one. Are you going to utilize the opportunities that God gives you? Or are you going to waste them? All right, number two. Now we're in verse 17. Therefore, he says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, Paul heightens uh, his emphasis here. 
In the first verses, he says, live wisely as opposed to living unwisely. Unwisely is the idea of ignorant, the idea of, well, I shut my brain off. Foolishness, he says here, therefore do not be foolish, it heightens it. Foolishness is living differently than what you know to be right. And so he is moving us along a progression where, where we, not only are we sometimes ignorant of the opportunities, but sometimes we just blatantly ignore them. Sometimes we blatantly live oppositely of how God would have us to live. But understand what the Lord's will is. So now we have God's way or my way. When Daniel was, I don't know, two, two and a half years old. Hey, buddy, he's here today. Uh, when Daniel was two, two and a half years old, uh, we, he got, uh, for, I think it was for his second birthday, he got this little motorized Thomas thing. It was really cool. right? You sit in it, you push a button, and it goes. You know what I mean? It's just a little car thing. He loved riding around in it. And so I think this was right after Amber, or Amber, Emma was born. We've got so many kids, I can't keep their names straight now. I think this was right after Emma was born. I can't remember all the timelines. I'm sure Julie could tell you. She, she remembers these kinds of things. I don't. But um, they were all upstairs, and Julie was cleaning, straightening, straightening some things up. I was at work, and so Daniel is riding around in his little motorized thing, having a good time, and he came to a decision. We had a, he had a big-time decision. So he's coming out of our bedroom, and on the left is the hallway that leads back into where his bedroom is. Right? He has a decision. The right side is the steps going down to the first floor. Two-and-a-half-year-old Daniel has a decision to make. Okay. Do I go left? Do I go down the hallway to my room? Or do I go down the steps in my little motorized scooter? Yes, Daniel. oh see a a plot twist it didn't work it didn't go the right way but anyway what ends up happening is of course daniel drives down the steps uh that was the first time daniel got stitches second time first time first time first time daniel got stitches but he chose the wrong way now here's the thing our way looks exciting, right? It looks thrilling. It looks uh, like the fun thing to do. But the reality is our way ends in pain. Our way ends up with a situation that we never intended on happening. God's way is the way that he wants us to go. Notice he says, understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. Now, we take this idea of the Lord's will, and honestly, we overcomplicate it. Like, oh, I need to find out what the Lord's will is. And we want it to be very specific, right? We want God to just, you know, lightning bolt us with the right answer of what we're supposed to do with our lives, right? That's not how the Lord's will works. In fact, in this passage... As he continues, he's going to tell us exactly what the Lord's will is. 
And so I would encourage you as we think about God's way, God's way is not, well, I'm just going to tell you directly exactly what I want you to do. I'm going to tell you exactly uh, where you're supposed to go to college. I'm going to tell you exactly who you're supposed to marry. I'm going to tell you exactly what I want you to do bit by bit, piece by piece, every step of the way. God's will for us involves wisdom. God's will for us involves us skillfully making choices based on God's truth. And so we need to be skillful as we approach these major decisions. I'm looking at my young people right now of what God has for you for your future, it requires you skillfully deciding, skillfully living based on God's word. God is not going to uh, come down to you directly and say, here's where you should go to college. That's not how it works. He wants you to skillfully decide based on his truth what he has for your life. That goes for all of us. And so every day, along with these opportunities that God gives us, we have a bigger decision to make as to whether or not we're going to follow God's way or our own way. So the second question, the first question I want to ask you is, what opportunities is God placing in your life this week to talk to someone, to have an impact? Second question I want to ask you is, how are you living your way? How are you living your way? Going to live your way? God's way. What are some areas in your life that you need to give over to God? That you need to submit to Him? So what is the Lord's way? How do we figure it out? Ultimately, He tells us, As we conclude this passage, the third contrast between walking wisely and walking unwisely is living by the Spirit versus by anything else. Let's read verses 18 to 21 again. It says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The big question. This this passage builds up to this moment right here. Are you going to live by the Spirit of God or by anything else? Now, he uses alcohol here as an example. It is a picture, and it's a very good example. We can all imagine in our minds what happens to an individual when they drink too much. They do not have control over the choices they make, the things they do, right? They give up control of their mental faculties over to to alcohol. Ultimately, what Paul is challenging challenging us with is that you and I, in a similar fashion, are to give up control of our lives to the Spirit. This idea of filling is the idea of control. 
control. And so ultimately, as we seek to walk wisely, it involves us submitting to the Spirit's control. Allowing the Spirit to lead and direct. Allowing the Spirit to give us wisdom in making decisions. Now before we get into the rest of the text, which tells us what it looks like, I want to first ask the question, how do we get there? How do we get to a life led by the Spirit? And ultimately, the formula is simple. You could go back to, you know, four-year-old Sunday school and you'd find the answer. The key to allowing yourself to be controlled by the Spirit starts with the Spirit's Word. It starts with the Bible. It is the Bible, again, that is the source of wisdom. As we stand on its truth, as we know the Spirit more, as we know God the Father, God the Son more, as we know what He says about the world more, it enables us to give control of our lives over to the Spirit. Starts with the Word of God. Second key to allowing the Spirit to lead to control you is prayer. It is constant communication with God. Constant. Constant communication with God. What would it look like in our lives if in every opportunity that you had, every choice that you had to make, you said one of those quick uh, three-second prayers? It's not a bad thing. All right, God, give me wisdom in this situation. Give me wisdom in this conversation I need to have. How would that change how your day looked? It is those kinds of things that are required if you and I are to live by the Spirit. It is a submission, and ultimately this passage and the passages following are about this same subject, this idea of wisdom. Ultimately, it's about submission. It's about submission, and that's where he ends. So are you allowing the Spirit to control your life? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to lead? That's what it's about. Now, what does that look like? Well, thankfully, uh, Paul in this text gives us four signs that we are submitting to the Spirit, that we are walking wisely as we allow the Spirit to guide and direct us. Gives us four It first says in verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The first evidence that we are walking by the Spirit is that we praise God to others. We praise God to others. Talk about Jesus. Talk about how God's working in our lives. I've told this to my students before. I'm probably going to tell them again. I tell them the same things a lot. (laughs) But they ask me, often I'm asked, well, how do you know when our school is moving in the right direction? How do you know, and I work predominantly in middle school and high school, how do you know when our middle school and high school is growing closer to God, is, is moving forward, is maturing? The answer I always give, I always give, is walk 
in the cafeteria at lunchtime and just listen. What do kids talk about? Because what they talk about is an evidence of whether or not they're being controlled by the Spirit. What they talk about is evidence of what is important to them. And if you walk down the cafeteria at our school and you hear kids talking about what they learned in their Bible reading last night, talking about what God did in their life, how he showed up in a powerful way, then you know that our school is moving in the right direction. Praising God to others is the first evidence that you are being led by the Spirit. Having spiritual conversations. Having spiritual conversations. Do you have those types of conversations with your family, your coworkers, your kids, your spouse? How often in the course of your day do you talk about God? As I think back on the opportunity that I wasted, it was an opportunity wasted where I could go up to them and say, hey, let me tell you about what God's done for me. It is praising God to other people. First evidence, you're walking by the Spirit. The second says, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. This is both outward and inward, but the idea is that it is in a group. It is collective, worshiping God with others. What we do here is important. It is a byproduct of living by the Spirit. Anybody had a day where you woke up on a Sunday morning and were like, oh, man, I don't feel like going to church today. I'm just kind of tired, and it's been such a crazy week. And Anybody felt like that? I mean, I felt like that. Not today. That's good. We've all experienced that, right? And evidence that you are willing to walk by the Spirit is the fact that you are here right now. That we are together as a body of believers worshiping God together with each other. Is an evidence that you're walking by the Spirit. It doesn't just have to be here. We have life groups. We have Sunday school, or uh, Bible classes. Sorry. We have Bible classes. Something that we do as a family is at dinner every night when, when I'm done eating, because I'm done eating first. <laughs> Everybody else, it's like an hour and a half before they get done. That's when we have our family devotions. We get to worship God together. And so for the past uh, week and a half or so, we've been doing Thanksgiving stuff. It's been awesome. But it's an opportunity for us as a family to sit down and worship God together. It's an evidence that we are walking by the Spirit, worshiping God with others. Third evidence. Verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, thanking God for all things. Now again, Paul's emphasis in these verses is that these are public, not private. All these things are good to do privately, but he's talking about our walk. He's talking about our lives, how we choose to live. This is a public thankfulness. And so do we thank God for all things again in front of other people? 
What an appropriate thing to think about as we have just come through the Thanksgiving holiday. These last two I love. Thanking God and submitting. Like to me, if there are two things that define the Christian life, that define walking by the Spirit, it's that. It's a life of gratitude and humility. If I had a couple boxes, if our thing was still here. Gratitude and humility, man. That'd be so good. And then the last one. So thankfulness. And then finally, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, submission. An evidence that you are walking by the Spirit is that you put others above yourself. An evidence that you're walking by the Spirit is that you have a heart of service. I had to sneak service in there, right? So are you a goofus or a gallant? How are you as you skillfully live in light of God's truth? Are you utilizing all of the opportunities that God has given you? Taking advantage of every opportunity. What's that conversation that you should have this week? What's that opportunity? What's that person that God's going to bring into your life and tell you, hey, I need you to talk to this person? Are you going to decide, are you going to choose to live your life God's way, how he wants you to live? You're going to choose your own. Are you going to choose to be led by the Spirit and give him control of your life? Now this passage really sets up a large chunk of the rest of Ephesians. This idea of walking by the Spirit in wisdom and submission to others. So here Paul kind of lays out where he's going. Walking in wisdom is where we are. And then he is going to unpack how that works with very specific groups of people as he works through the next uh, several verses. So this is the overarching question. And then the next several messages in Ephesians are going to be about applying this idea of walking in wisdom. But again, it all comes back to, are you willing to submit to the Spirit's control in your life? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to daily study God's Word? Are you willing to daily confess your sin to God? Are you willing to daily be in constant communication with God? Are you willing to do that? And as you do that, God is going to give you the wisdom to live how He wants you to live. To live like gallant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this text. Uh, So important, Father, as we think about the idea of how you want us to walk in wisdom. As you want us to daily take advantage of every opportunity because we know that we live in evil days. Father, I pray that as we go about the rest of our day, as we go about this next week, that you would make us aware that we would be willing to submit to your Spirit's leading 
that we would choose to go your way and not our own. Father, we're so grateful for the Spirit and all the Spirit does for us. Father, I pray you'd help each one of us to submit to the Spirit's control, to be filled with the Spirit and nothing else. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.